Well, good morning, Hope College. First, I just want to thank Eric and his band, Young Oceans, Brian and Robert. Eric and I met 10 years ago in New York City, and I'm so honored that they're here. They're bringing some New York City cool to Hope College this week to help us kick off inauguration. Not that you need it, you guys are cool already, but I'm honored that, you, that you're here. And uh, you're not gonna wanna miss uh, the concert tonight, so make sure you show up uh, at 7.30 tonight. Um, Hope College, I am so honored to be here with all of you. Uh, my name is Matt Skogan, and I'm your new president. And <laughs> Thank you. I haven't said that out loud very many times, and it's cool. It's such an honor to be here. I love Hope College. I love all of you, and I've been looking forward to this week, and I've been looking forward to this moment for a long time. Uh, I love this building. I don't think there's another building anywhere on the planet that has as much significance to me as this one does. It was in this room 21 years ago when I was a freshman at Hope College that a girl first caught my eye. Uh, it took me three years to work up the courage to ask her out, but that girl, Sarah, has been my wife for almost 17 years. And we're, uh, thanks. We're raising three kids together. We moved on June 28th from New York City back to Holland, Michigan. And as you can imagine, there's some adjustments that come with that move. Uh, so this is our family. We didn't have a car. We went more than a decade in New York City without a car. And so this is how we got around. This is us in our old neighborhood. Uh, Sophie's on your left. She's 11. Lucy's in the middle. She's nine. And there's Oliver. He's six. And there's Sarah and I in the back on our Razor scooters. That's how we got around. So we arrived here on June 28th. Uh, you all have been so welcoming to us, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, we arrived to the surprise of a treehouse and a swing in the back of the president's home. Uh, to the men of Durfee, we've seen you eyeing it, and the answer is yes, you're welcome to come over anytime and play on the play structure. <laughs> so I met my wife in this room, and that makes this room special, but on an even more profound level, I met God in this room. Uh, it was in this room when God to me became a someone, not a concept, not a philosophy, but someone I know deeply, personally, intimately. And of all the things that happened to me at Hope, that is the thing that most profoundly changed my life. Uh, over the course of my first year as president, I'm gonna speak in chapel five or six times, all on the idea of hope and what hope means. And we're gonna dissect it into different topics. We'll talk in a couple weeks about hope in your education. We'll talk about hope in diversity. We'll talk about hope in your busyness. We'll talk about various ideas around hope. And this morning, I just wanna take it a step back uh, to look at a high level about hope in Jesus. Because it was hope in Jesus that changed my life. And ultimately, it's hope in Jesus that will change the world. Uh, people look at my life and the things I've done after hope. I went to grad school at Harvard. I worked in Washington. I worked on Wall Street for 10 years. And people look at that stuff and they say, aren't those kind of messy places to be a Christian? And my answer is yes, they are. That's the point. When I met God at hope, I not only discovered how much he loved me, I not only discovered the fact that he was willing to do anything for me, but I heard him asking me whether or not I was willing to do anything for him. And my answer during those years was yes. Whatever you have for me, whatever you want me to do, I'm in. I'll follow you wherever you go. And whatever it means, as long as you're with me, I don't care. I had no idea that God would take me on this fun and interesting, fulfilling career journey, and that ultimately it would lead me back to hope. And I'm so excited and honored to be here. And this idea that 
Jesus wants you to run towards sometimes messy places is the thing we see Jesus doing all throughout his ministry. And one of the places Jesus goes that's particularly messy is he goes to the house of a guy named Zacchaeus. I worked on Wall Street for 10 years and I've worked with a lot of people like Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a guy who the Bible says loves money, he's wealthy, and apparently he likes making money at the expense of other people. I wanna read you this very short story from Luke 19. It says, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and he climbed a tree to see him. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. All the people saw this and they began to mutter, Jesus has gone to be the guest of a sinner. So I've always loved the story of Zacchaeus. First of all, he's short, and I have a personal affinity for short people. Um, uh, when I was a, a kid in Sunday school, we sang this song. Maybe you know it. It's a song about Zacchaeus, one of the epic Sunday school songs. And it says, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. And I always, I always had this funny image in my head of Zacchaeus as like a leprechaun, like a wee little man. I, I don't think he was like leprechaun-sized. I think he was just short. He was just short. And I love Zacchaeus for that, because I relate to shortness. I also love what Zacchaeus does when Jesus comes to his town. And we see Zacchaeus doing something that's, uh, I think, really profound. What Zacchaeus does when Jesus comes to town is Zacchaeus decides he wants to check out who Jesus is for himself. Jesus was by far the most famous person alive at that time. And the Bible tells us that when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' town, Zacchaeus just wants to check him out. He says he just wants to see who Jesus was. But to see who Jesus was, Zacchaeus had to overcome a couple of obstacles. And the first obstacle Zacchaeus had to overcome was he had to get past the crowd. There's a crowd around Jesus. And because Zacchaeus is short, he can't see Jesus through the crowd. So Zacchaeus has to climb up to see above the crowd. And in doing that, Zacchaeus avoids making a mistake that so many people make today. So many people make the mistake of judging Jesus by his fans, by judging Jesus uh, of, the, around, of the people around him. So many people say, well, uh, Christians are judgmental, they're hypocritical, they're closed-minded, and that's all I need to know about Jesus. And this crowd around Jesus at this time was a particularly um, um, nasty crowd. They don't even call Zacchaeus by his name, they call him, you sinner. And yet Zacchaeus doesn't let that crowd taint the way he sees Jesus. Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is himself. So he climbs a tree to get above the crowd so he can have a direct line of sight on who Jesus is. It's profound. I think it's profound that the most um, significant obstacle Zacchaeus faces to see Jesus is the crowd, the crowd of fans around Jesus. The second thing Zacchaeus does, the second obstacle he has to overcome in order to see Jesus is Zacchaeus has to climb a tree. Climbing a tree is not something adults do. It's something kids do. It's foolish for adults to climb trees. I mean, imagine at the next Tulip Time Parade, if there's a wealthy person and they wanna get a better view of the Tulip Time Parade, and they climb a tree to get a better view of the Tulip Time Parade. This would be like something on Instagram, people would take pictures of it, we'd all laugh. Climbing a tree is not something dignified adults do. And yet Zacchaeus climbs a tree in order to see Jesus. And in doing that, he shows us that sometimes you have to put your pride aside. Sometimes you have to swallow your pride. Sometimes you have to be willing to look a little bit silly in order to encounter Jesus, in order to experience Jesus. It's the same for us. 
sometimes we have to be willing to look a little childish to encounter Jesus. But it's worth it. It's worth it because of what happens on the other side of it. And I love what happens. Jesus goes by and he sees Zacchaeus up in the tree and Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I wanna come to your house today. And I love what happens here because it's so counter to the way most Christians think. Most Christians, especially evangelical Christians say, well, first you have to repent and then you have to invite Jesus into your heart and then he'll come over. And that's not what happens here. Zacchaeus doesn't repent. Zacchaeus doesn't even invite Jesus into his house. Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' house. Jesus invites himself into Zacchaeus' life. All Zacchaeus does is he says, yes, he lets him in. And that's all you have to do. Say, yes, let him in. Jesus says to you in Revelation 3.20, he says, I am standing at your door and I am knocking. I wanna come in and I wanna eat with you. Do you know what that eat with you thing means? It's so significant. Jesus is saying, I don't just want you to believe in me. I want to be in every aspect of your life. I want to be there when you eat. I wanna be there when you wake up. I wanna be there when you go to sleep. I want to be in your life. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is asking if he can come home with you. And you might have to be willing to look a little bit foolish to let him in but it's worth it. It's worth it because you'll get to experience eating with Jesus, the one who made you, the one who formed you, the one who calls you by name, even when the crowd around you just calls you labels. Jesus calls you by name. And saying yes to him may mean that he'll take you on a life journey that's crazy and unpredictable like mine, but it's worth it. And I'm telling you from somebody who's experienced it firsthand that there's nothing better in this life. Go in peace. <laughs>